This episode is brought to you by Plated.com. Prepare chef-quality meals in 30 minutes or less with Plated. Head over to Plated.com slash Atomic right now and get free shipping with your first order. That's Plated.com slash Atomic. Hey guys, today's sponsor is Audible.com, who has over 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at www.audiblepodcast.com backslash Atomic. Guys. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> it's uh, it's just Ellie and Bianca here today getting stir crazy. Woo, with my two dogs who are running laps around the living room. Also stir crazy. And um, Tony, our sound designer. And a bunch of yardmen. There, there's a lot of life happening. There's around a lot us. of life, and and good thing because we're we're talking about we're talking a little bit about being in funks and also how to say no and mean it. And what else are we talking about that has to do with life? My birth story. I got jealous because Ellie got to tell hers. So here we go. Woo woo. Ah! Hi. Hi. I feel like we have like our hushed, sexy voices. I know. Well, Sabrina's uh, sleeping upstairs. And if anyone hears little animals trotting around, those would be my dogs. Happy feet. Happy feet. Uh, I am having one of those days where it's just like, I think you wrote me a couple, like a week ago or something. You're like, you know, those days where you just feel like you need more serotonin. <laughs> yes. I was like, you just need an IV of serotonin. I, I need an IV of serotonin, caffeine, uh, probably wine would be good at well, this point. I'll but... say it. Malaise looks good on you, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. I, um, we ha- you know, it's good. I think it's good to report this so that, you know, people don't think it's all, uh, peachy keen, but like we had a, we had a rough night of the sleeping, but everyone so- just went, no, <laughs> well, actually the thing about it, it was, it wasn't even really a night. It was just this morning. And I think she's teething and, but I was up at 4am with her and she would not go back down. And, you know, so look in the, in the greater scheme of the story, um, it's still fantastic. Like she went, slept until 4am, but she had a rough time and I was in there and then I didn't, so I didn't go back to sleep. And then, you know, Mike's getting ready for work. And then it's so weird how it like snowballs, right? Cause like you have a bad morning and then the whole world starts weighing mm-hmm. on you and then you start letting your mind go into all those crevices of what's wrong with everything. And, and I, then I was so proud of myself cause I like actually printed out stuff that you had sent me for our podcast today. So I like had it and then I spilled my whole water all over it in the car. And it's just like <laughs> the comedy of errors, you know, but, uh, but I'm here now. And well, I didn't sleep either. You didn't? Why? No, cause we're trying to book flights going up to Northern Michigan and to visit my family and Adam's family and booking flights at 1130 at night is just never a good idea. But we had all this other stuff going on. Okay, I'm Marie Kondoing papers now. Oh, my God. So for our listeners who don't know, you listen to our magical, what is it? What's the uh, name of the podcast? Um, the Ma- life-changing, life-changing, ma- magic, life-changing Magic, right? I think. Where we had Jen Ruban on discussing how to organize, right? And so I did my closet and now I'm on to papers. And papers is traumatic because you had, well, you did a lot of creative writing growing up. <laughs> you start reading all the angsty poetry. I have all my old journals, letters. You've got, uh, you, know, all, you know, all the creative writing yeah. from college. Where do you keep all that stuff? It. Where has it been? Like, I squirrel it away in different places. And so yeah. I had to pull it all out, put it all on the bed. I got halfway through it. 
and realized I had to put it all away. <laughs> so, so I got like half done. I have well, two trash bags full, but so then that's why we didn't get to the the buying the plane tickets until, until late. Yeah, and and so I'm sure we've got the wrong date again, <laughs> which seems to be what I do every time. I uh, it's it's hard, and you know what? It's hard to commit to. Uh, it's hard. It's so expensive. Tickets. It's expensive, and also and they I always... change it up on you. I yeah. feel like they know when you're looking, and then the next time you look again, it's like bumped up three hundred dollars. Totally, it totally is. I mean, Sh- I, I've noticed illegal. that. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, and that and that paper trail thing is really hard too because it's a it's a slippery slope of like you just start reading everything and then you like Mike will find me and I'm literally in a pile of papers like sobbing and yes. like reading. Oh stuff. my god! <laughs> I uh, oh my god! There's a guy from high school who passed away and then I found the card from his parents oh. after I had invited them to play and then you're just like, don't go there, Ellie. Don't go there. <laughs> Yeah. But you're not going to throw it away either. No, I know. But then you're like, it's yeah. so charged. It is so charged. And you like, I remember when I last did it, which was a while ago, I found stuff from my dad. And that's always hard because, like, you know, but what's weird about it too is like, there's messages that he wrote me or cards where he like wrote something that, like, when I was going through, like, really spoke to me in that moment. It was almost like finding a message from him from like the beyond, you know? But yeah, that, I mean, it's funny that you bring that up because I think like, that's kind of what it was this morning too, is I was like, there's too much, there's too much electronic stuff that's sending me like pictures and emails and messages and things that I have to attend to. And they're not visible unless I am looking at these little things. And so I feel like I'm always looking at these little, you know, my phone and my computer and all of that. And it's like, then when you close it, your mind is still trapped by the stuff in there. And I was like, I just want to go be a goat herder somewhere. <laughs> I'll go with you. You're okay. We'll have a farm and we'll do the podcast to the goats. I'm serious. Like, I think people would still listen. I mean, we, we wouldn't maybe have much relevant matter to discuss. Well, we wouldn't be able to have the technology with us. Isn't that part uh, of the point? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so we'll do it to the goats. It'll be great. We'll be very popular in a rural community in Scotland. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, you know, whatever. It's just one. It's one of those days and we all have it. And and it's good. How how do you like with the detoxing from the technology and stuff like I will notice something and then it just replays in my head 700 times until it's attended to. And that's my problem. I'll play with Sabrina, but I'm thinking about. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. We need to book a guest for our podcast. Right. Oh my God. I know. And it's, it's those things that weigh on you. And and I think it's, it's funny. Um, I feel like Jen Waldberger is the the patron saint of Atomic Moms podcast because she she always comes up. But we both talked to her quite a bit. And we had a discussion the other day about, I don't know about you, but I always feel like it's not enough to be an excuse, right? Like what's going on with me and what I have to do isn't enough of an excuse for everyone else for them to understand why I'm saying no or why I can't go or I can't be there. I can't do this or I can't do that. And, and then I feel guilty. And so mm-hmm. why, and I don't know, maybe you feel the same. It's like why I am thinking about those emails, even when I'm playing with Magnolia or why I am thinking about the things that I haven't done isn't because I so much want to get to them as I feel guilty for not doing it for the people who have sent it to me, need it, want mm-hmm. it, all of those things. And, you know, I was saying to Jen, I'm like, it's interesting because I understand like people who don't have kids that don't understand because you just don't get it until you have a child or children, you don't get the massive amount 
of uh, weight that that comes into your life and that that you can't even imagine how you ever complained about not getting things done before, right? Yeah. I mean, there are probably people that are lawyers that are like, feel that way. Riggs, we're doing a podcast. <laughs> Riggs. <laughs> It's not time for your lunch. I feel like... This poor dog has a big f- cone. Riggs feels you today. I feel like also Bianca. that we need to snap a picture of this, of your Riggs, <laughs> because the the He has a skin condition. What's going on? <laughs> Let me tell you, you know you live in LA when your dog has food allergies. Hi, Riggs. What do you have to say? Riggs. Hey, Riggs. He smells the tuna fish sandwich that was made for Sabrina earlier, <laughs> and now he really wants I'm it. To, I'm trying to get you guys. This. this is not a good angle for me, Bianca. Well, it actually is really cute. Okay, anyway. Riggs, um, the, the cone makes you look fat. <laughs> <laughs> but the other interesting thing was we were talking about other moms and how you would think that other moms would understand, but but it's so relative, isn't it? Like mm. we each have our own story because like, for example, I'll feel guilty saying I can't, I have too much on my plate with one kid to a mother who has three kids. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because in my life, what I'm used to, the way that I operate, one kid is massively right. different than what my life used to be like. And so it is. And I, I think like this need to explain ourselves or to feel like, I wish we could all get to a place where like we feel okay that we don't have to explain ourselves that like it's yeah. enough to say I don't have the time I can't do this I can't be there you know right because then I feel like then I could let go then I could be in those moments with my daughter and my husband and just not worry about who I'm disappointing you know yeah maybe we don't need to take that on all the time because they might not even be disappointed I mean there are That's times true. it's also tricky there are times when You'll say to another mom or like, okay, so you've emailed me, oh, teething's going on, da, 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 And right. it's funny because it's like, I'll be stressed out and I'll be like, ah, oh, yeah, teething. I get it. Like it was just there two <laughs> minutes ago. I'm in something now too, but I'm yeah. not going to write back what I'm in. And it's like, it's, but we're all in the mud. What I, what I find helpful is like actually calling, which is funny because I know that bothers probably a lot of people like, oh God, here's Ellie's call. But I, because everyone likes to text now, but right. I don't like to text because it's, it changes, you know, the tone Intonation, and everything. It's yeah. hard for me to figure yeah. it out. Like I'm a much nicer person, I think in real life than I am when in writing. So I had a girlfriend the other day who has two children and she invited me to three things in a row and I, I couldn't do two of them because I was going to be out of town. And then the third thing, it was like, Oh, it was after 7 p.m. <laughs> I was like, I can't do it. I'm too tired. I don't feel well. Like I've so I ended up calling her, and I'm so glad I did because it was like I was able to just be honest. I was like, yeah. Look, I don't know if I'm anemic. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I'm really tired, and I don't think I can do a dinner with yeah. a bunch of moms, and like I won't be much fun. And it was so great because she just she just said back, oh, my God, I felt that way for two years. <laughs> and then we can kind of talk and be normal yeah. versus yeah. this because I was feeling so guilty about saying no and no. And right. No. But sometimes it's you don't even have time for the phone call. No, you know? I you mean, don't. like I hear you and you're totally right. And I think that in some cases, but also, I'm just the slowest texter. That's why <laughs> <laughs> And I can call on the road. Well, and it's better. I mean, you're right. It is better to be in person and to have that conversation. But but I also think that like I think that that's where 
that's even like deeper into the issue of what I'm talking about that I wish like there didn't even have to feel the need to give the explanation where you could just say, I'm sorry, I can't and not feel like you have to explain yeah. yourself because you, sure. because you know what you're dealing with. It doesn't really exactly. matter. What's that? What's that old expression? Like your friends don't need it and your enemies won't believe it anyway. It's like, I've never heard it, but I yeah, love it. Don't, don't make excuses. And yeah, maybe what if we just don't make the excuses? Like we know everyone's in it. Just say, I'm so yeah. sorry. I can't. Well, and that's, I think that's where I'm at in my life. Whereas like, I'm trying to realize like the people that I love who love me back, they don't, it doesn't matter. I mean, I have a friend who listens to this podcast, uh, who I tell me you're going to say something really bad. No, 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 no. It's funny. But, but I mean, this is, this is proof of a friendship where it's just so loving that it's like, Mm -hmm. you don't even need to say anything. I went to New York. We had plans to see each other. New York got a little crazy. I didn't end up being able to go to where she wanted me to come. I literally left the city without ever even communicating with her. Came home. Three days went past. She called me. She's like, oh, my God, I can't believe we totally missed each other. And there was like nothing. Like that was so awesome to feel like I didn't have to come up with an excuse. Like we were just both like hilarious. We never get to see each other. We were literally in the same city and we didn't. It just didn't happen. And I didn't have to make an excuse about it. So whenever I go to New York, I especially freak out because I'm like, I've got to somehow see everyone and I never yeah. can. Yeah. And I usually don't see anyone. Yeah. I end up holding up, but I spend the whole time feeling guilty. <gasps> Even I... though they're living their lives, they don't really care that LA no. came to town. <laughs> but I have to carry the burden of that I'm yeah. not reaching out. Yeah. Well, and it's funny too, once you have kids, because you feel mm-hmm. like everyone wants to see the kids and you, you know. Right catch up and, and then all of a sudden stuff. you're in this tiny bathroom in a pizza parlor with your kids sitting on your lap while you go to the bathroom because you don't want to put the baby on you can put the baby on the floor maybe that was just me in New York I don't know possibly Ellie <laughs> probably um, but yes find out in all your free time Bianca yeah will you please find out how we can feel less guilty because this is on us I right know. yeah it 100% is on us and you know I don't know I, I think like I'm assuming that there has to be some meditation in there somewhere that like it's I think it's becoming so comfortable with yourself that you can sit in the space with yourself and not think about it's it doesn't affect you and that's really the truth like that should be the the truth about our relationships. I, I've talked about this book before, Real Love. I think I talked about it when we did Love Line with, um, no, when we did the podcast where we had Dr. Drew and Mike on with us. And um, it's an awesome book, which will finally, hopefully make it onto Facebook. Ellie and I have been talking about how well, these, these books got to get up on there. I got to I gotta make the list of those things. So you guys were-, were... Start feeling guilty. Yeah. See there. <laughs> it did. Even to our dear listeners. Um, but anyway, it talks about how like we just don't understand what unconditional love is because so few of us actually have experienced that. And it's not our fault. It's not our parents' fault. It's not their parents' fault. It's just what has been passed down through generations and that the way that we are mostly all raised is on a system of reward and um, punishment. And it makes us feel like we are sometimes deserving of love and we are sometimes not, and that love can actually be taken away. And it's a fantastic book. It really, I should actually, you know, maybe I should read it again. And then (laughs) that maybe that'll help. Is the author still alive? Uh, I think so. I ask because sometimes Bianca reads books from like the thirties. <laughs> so true. Cause I'll be like, that person should be a guest and she'll be like, Ellie, they died 70 years ago <laughs> and they lived in India. <laughs> yes. Um, 
I think or they so. were in a cult. And <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they're in, it was, it's very random and weird. I know. I know. It's it's very, very good. It's, I, I love actually, it. I actually like want to start reading more again. Like I feel like so much went out the yeah. window when I had Magnolia. And well, I just, let's get rid of our phones at night. That's, by and the way, we'll read more. That was a number one thing I was thinking about. But um, in order to do that, I need to actually start taking care of business during the day so that yeah, at night I can just exactly. turn them off. But that uh, is when I do I, the fun little graphics though for the podcast, the little photographic. It's I, always at night. Well, it's nice and quiet and like yeah. you feel like you can sit in it, but I, but I agree with you. I think it would be so much better to use that time to like read or whatnot. Um, I actually texted general band today and I said, uh, I need you. And she wrote back, go. And I said, I think I need you to organize my brain. <laughs> She said, done. She's um, coming over Sunday. We're going to work on organizing my brain. Really? Yeah. That means there's a lot of I feel positive. Like that's what a psychologist would do. No, because it's not like, it's not like feelings and thoughts and stuff because I yeah. have dealt with that. It's about nausea. Structure. structure. It's like a life coach thing. Yeah, I guess so. Did I, t- I told you though, I did take Sabrina to my therapist. Yeah, I saw the picture. Yeah. There's a picture that will not be going online of Sabrina sitting in my Come on. It's therapist kind of chair. <laughs> and the best part about it is behind Sabrina. So those of you who are new listeners, Sabrina is 19 months old. She is sitting in my therapist chair and you can see the little wooden sign above her head on the wall behind her that says namaste. <laughs> it's, it's so perfect. Uh, How like, were you able to even really have a th- a session because like i mean i don't know if sabrina is older than magnolia but like when magnolia is anywhere it's destroyed yeah. no it was destroyed it was great because i didn't have a sitter and i didn't want to cancel last minute and so i uh took her with me and it was hilarious because my therapist was so nice and friendly from the get-go and i kind of wanted to say to her like you know, don't be too friendly because Serena will make herself right at home. You know, I kind of wanted it, you know, because if, if she was, if the therapist had been a little more aloof, then Sabrina might have like sat on the couch and like read and a been book. been proper. Yeah. Yeah. And instead she was like, would you like to come into my office? And Serena just nods her head. Yes. And walks straight in and makes it her own space. And it was so adorable because she would just pull everything off of the shelves. Yes. And she was playing with everything ever. And you oh. could see, you know, and is this therapist a- has traveled the world. So there's like all these oh amazing God, this little is like. so funny because this is exactly what happened. We took Magnolia to Michael's <laughs> yeah. therapist because I had to come in and meet. And we, you know, it was on a Saturday. And same thing. Little yeah. artifacts yes, from all exactly. over the world. And you're like, oh, gosh, don't break this, please. She's probably never going to go back to Timbuktu <laughs> to get another one. <laughs> oh, my God. It was, uh, it was, and it was funny because her i was also self-conscious about how i was because i had some things i wanted to work through yeah <laughs> but i had to be present for my daughter right because i feel like also my therapist is like ju- not judging but um analyzing oh my god <laughs> how i'm relating to my child this is so in hilarious. her presence it's like it's like the the, <laughs> so crazy. the enigma wrapped in the conundrum yeah. wrapped in like everything oh it's my so god funny. that's so funny and she she took my chapstick and she kept rubbing chapstick on her lips. And I was like, okay, Serena, may I please have the chapstick back? Because also I'm thinking like chapstick isn't good for her right. or, or like I don't want her eating the wax. I saw in Dr. Oz something about like petroleum is like not good to consume. And 
trying to take it back and Sabrina will not give it back to me. And it was great because my therapist was like, oh, she's stubborn, isn't she? I like that. She's very interesting. She loved Sabrina, which also like shouldn't matter, shouldn't care that right. my therapist loves my baby. <laughs> but um, oh Sabrina God. was uh, hilarious and darling and wonderful. And it was validating to have my therapist say that she's has a lot of energy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and... It was a very, why very... Is, why is that validating? Why? Because sometimes I'm like, why am I so tired or why is it hard for me to um, go multiple places with her? Yeah. And I judge myself against like the... Mo- or I compare myself to moms who are able to take their kids to like three museums in a day kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was really nice to have her be like, no, 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 Ellie, she's got a lot of spirit. Yeah. And, and also for it not to be... You know, that, that her spirit is her, because of her temperament. It's like her innate temperament. Right. It's like, that's just, I say innate temperament. That's, I'm saying the same thing twice, but that's just who she is. Right. It's not because of how I'm relating to her. Right. Um, but it was a really fun play date and it was a very, very expensive babysitting <laughs> session. <laughs> oh, well, maybe some words of wisdom sunk into her little brain and maybe yeah. she won't need to go later on. I was really proud of her That's for awesome. just like being uh, able to like walk into a new environment and being so inquisitive. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. It's fun to watch them in those situations. Should Aggravating, we, but should we take a quick break? Yeah, let's do it. And then you guys are going to hear a word from our sponsors. And when we come back, are we going to hear a little bit of your birth story? Yeah, because everyone loved hearing yours so much. And of course, I, I don't want to be outdone. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. You guys can vote who's is better <laughs> right after our break. <laughs> I love to cook. Okay, I really love to eat, but finding the time to cook is so difficult. That's why I'm excited about Plated. Maybe you've heard about these guys on Shark Tank. Plated is for folks who love cooking fresh, exciting new dishes, but don't have the time to find all the perfect ingredients. Here's how it works. Go to Plated.com slash Atomic and choose from amazing chef-designed recipes with new selections every week. The culinary pros at Plated lovingly fill a refrigerated box with just the perfect pre-portioned ingredients for your dinner. Nothing is wasted. Everything's delivered to your door fresh meat poultry fish farm fresh veggies spices everything you need on the date you choose um i just made the chinese style chicken salad with the napa cabbage almonds and mustard soy vinaigrette um i did it guys and it looked like restaurant pretty okay and then i didn't have a bunch of like stuff rotting in the fridge later because it was all pre-portioned and it came with dry mustard and rice wine vinegar and soy sauces and sesame oil all these things that otherwise i have to buy these like big jars of it you know and then it just ends up sitting in your pantry for a year or something that's just me this is like a perfect company for me okay i'm not i don't i'm not good at following through when i cook and this like makes it so i don't really have a choice because it all comes to me it's so easy so here's what you should know if you're not home for your delivery that's not a problem your plated box keeps everything fresh until midnight on the day it arrives even on warm days uh it is summer so you're, you're okay there. If you're really worried about that, you're all good. Okay, so prepare chef-quality meals in 30 minutes or less with Plated. Hurry over to Plated.com slash Atomic right now, guys, and get free shipping with your first order. That's Plated.com slash Atomic. Hi, guys. We're back. And also, Tony, our sound producer, you don't need to hold Riggs's paw the whole podcast. He'll be okay. I promise. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so I think we we're going to delve a little bit into, uh, not probably as extensive as yours was. Did you do the whole 
was the whole podcast about your you birth? You got to listen to I it. know, I need to. No. So we're referring to Ellie's birth story podcast, which was taken from a guest appearance on Storyworthy, Christine Blackburn's podcast, and she is a guest of ours. She was last week's guest. Yes. So for their podcast, they ask you to tell a story, and I was like, well, what's a better story than my birthing story? So then I went on the show, and actually I took it from the – I took parts of the last chapter of the book I've been working on forever. Oh, that's My awesome. book on anxiety. And so my birthing story is the last chapter – and it's called The Time I Finally Got It. Because each chapter of the book is called That Time I Whatever. Like when I went to the silent meditation retreat, it's like The Time I Lost My Mind. And so this is The Time I Finally Got It. It's also kind of a spin on Friends episodes. Yeah. Like oh, yeah, every yeah, episode yeah, yeah. of Friends is like the one where yeah. whatever. So anyway. Okay, so now we're going to hear. We got such good response from it that obviously we all have to hear Bianca's story. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. Well, I, I tell you what, it's funny. It's the it's the most talked about post on our on our Facebook page. I mean, people really loved it and and talked about it. My sister even um, texted me the morning that that podcast aired. Do we say yeah. aired? Yeah, we're gonna say it. Yeah, our and, podcast aired. Um, you know, she's like, I I'm not even pregnant yet, and I I just it was so beautiful, and she said I laughed and I cried and. So yeah, so I will be a, a good podcast host and actually listen to that. Maybe on the way home. Ooh. After. But it's good because it won't influence how I tell mine. No, yeah, no, that's good. You would have been really intimidated. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll just start by saying that because I think a lot of people have asked us about how do you know when you're ready? And it's funny because I always thought that there was so much more that I had to do with my career before I got pregnant and I was married once before. And so, you know, when I met Michael, I just knew right away that it was right and it was the right thing. And so we moved very quickly and we got married pretty quickly. And then he's wanted to be a parent, a dad, since he was like 10 years old. I mean, it's, it has been a dream of his. And so he was so great because he was always like, look, you know, I'm obviously making it known that anytime you're ready, I'm ready, but I want you to be ready. I don't, you know, don't feel the pressure of, of me saying that I'm ready. And uh, so I was up in Ojai and I did a little week by myself. I tried to do that once a year. That's not happening anymore. But <laughs> about once a year, I would go and somewhere by myself and write and meditate and kind of just pull myself together. And I was walking around and it was it's beautiful in Ojai. It's about an hour and a half northeast-ish of LA. And you guys, it's just this beautiful place with lots of trees and there's little farm carts that the people leave out on the streets and it's an honor system. And so it's just this idyllic little slice of heaven. Ojai actually means the nest. So it is, it's this little cup of just solitude in the little mountains there. So I was up there and I was walking around. It was a beautiful day. And I was just like, oh, I've I think I might be ready. <laughs> but it wasn't like, it just occurred to me like this might be a good time. Like I knew we were about to start filming Undateable. I was pretty sure we were only going to do 13 episodes. And I just thought like, you know, I'm not getting any younger. It's probably time to to do this. And, um, and I just want our listeners who are thinking about getting pregnant to know that like, I wasn't like, hundred percent sure. It wasn't like I felt like, yes, this is definitely, there's still questions, but I just felt like 
I could entertain the possibility now. And so I felt like that's pretty much, I think, when people say you're you're ready to, to go. I mean, some people know. Some people know with every ounce of their being, but it just wasn't me. So anyway, fast forward to a wonderful pregnancy. I had really loved being pregnant. I just, I don't think I ever measured past 35 weeks. So I never got that feeling of being stuck in my body or too big or, you know, I just, I felt so in my skin. What do you mean by measured? Um, So, you know, they measure you from your, like, I think right at the top of your bump to the bottom and they can tell there's certain measurements that correspond with how many weeks you are. So most people, you know, some people measure further along than they are if they're they're bigger in their stomachs and so my my stomach never measured bigger than 35 weeks gestation i feel like that's a great euphemism <laughs> like i never measured past 35 weeks <laughs> 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 like like it's something like a badge to wear or like, something well for me yeah i was very small <laughs> very small well, i mean listen well, and i didn't either because i freaked out about yeah well and you i remember seeing you and I, you looked small well your your the rest of your body you def- your stomach didn't look that big but then the rest of your body looked smaller later in your pregnancy oh, it than weird. it had but this isn't my birth story <laughs> but go on no okay. just kidding so anyway i you know i was prepared that I may go late. My mom uh, was two weeks late with all her births, my brother and my sister and I. So I was prepared for that. And the fact that I felt so comfortable and that I loved being pregnant, uh, I was okay with that. I was just kind of like, you know, and I still felt like I wanted to go do stuff. I didn't feel that tired. I was very fortunate. I slept fantastic my entire pregnancy. I, well, that's not exactly true. The first three months, I didn't sleep that well because I had a horrible, horrible morning sickness, which most people know is not relegated to the morning. Uh, it is all day and all night. And um, But after that, I I, sl- I never had to like get up and pee multiple times during the night. It was great. So I was, felt very rested. I felt like good to go. You know, as far as like how I felt kind of about birth, I felt very calm. I am such an anxious person, not about like specific things, but like I personally have had so many panic attacks and and you know my anxiety disorder for a while that like I assumed that I was going to be a the most uncomfortable person in the world during my pregnancy and b that I would be a ball of uh, just a mess at, by the end just thinking about how the the pain whatever it was going to be and so I um but I was so I just felt like it was the most kind of in the present I've ever been, I think in my whole life. And I was meditating a lot. So I think that helped. And I was doing some Kundalini stuff that I had learned at this prenatal workshop that I'd gone to. And so about a week before my due date, I get an email from the undateable producers and they're like, there's these, the summer upfronts, which is basically the critics are there and press and you go and you present your show and it's going to be debuting this year and blah, blah, blah. And they said, you know, we totally don't expect you to be there. And I was like, oh, if I haven't given birth by then, I'm there. They're like, are you sure? And I said, yeah. I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm sit at home You're and like, look, I'm only measuring 35 weeks. <laughs> exactly. So I was like, I'm, I'm going like better to have something to do than to sit at home. You know, like when's she going to come? You know, and by that point, like family members start to get a little annoying. And so it was on my due date. On my due date, I went to. That's what, okay. Yeah. What was on the due date? Oh, uh, the 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 the, the, okay. the, the um, presentation, the the press and critics association 
event and it was in Pasadena. And so it was, you know, Pasadena from us is fairly laden with traffic and they were sending a car service. And so I was thinking to myself, like, if middle of the day I go into labor, I'm screwed. It'd be an hour and a half from Venice. At least. At least an hour yeah. and a half. So, you know, I was like, oh, whatever, but it's fine. It won't, you know, won't happen. So I go and I'm there all day and taking pictures, answering annoying yeah, questions. I, yeah. Walking from, the red carpet. Yeah. I, I was like, I am not getting all gussied up in a dress. I'm wearing comfortable, I remember the war, like black stretchy jeans and a black tank top and like a cool little bomber jacket. And then there was someone else who was pregnant. Oh, uh, Kristen Cavallari was there. And she was pregnant at the same time. I don't think she was as far along as I was. And she looked adorable in like a gorgeous dress. And for a minute, I was like, well, I should have dressed up more. <laughs> You're comparing yourself to the one other pregnant woman. The mommy wars begin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's your due date and you're feeling self-conscious because <laughs> Kristen Cavallari is um, And I was wearing like six-inch heels. And I remember at one point I tripped and fell uh, in this walkway and like 10 people ran over, of course. Like, they were like, lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember thinking that she was very quiet, that Magnolia was very quiet that day. I thought that was kind of strange. She wasn't moving a lot. And I thought, well, maybe it's because I'm I'm doing a lot. But now I've actually read that some people do say that like when they're about to go into labor, the babies get really quiet and still. And um, so then they had a little party at the end of the day. So it was about six or seven o'clock and they had a food truck and it was baby's burgers. If that's not oh. prophetic. And so I had two. <laughs> And so we both had burgers. Oh, yeah. And I went home and kicked off my shoes. And Mike was leaving for work because I got home really late and he was heading off to Loveline. And so we kissed each other and he went on his way. And I sat down and I remember all of a sudden I was like, oh, I feel a little crampy. Ugh. And then the crampy, it felt like like normal period cramps. But then yeah. the crampy started to kind of ebb and flow in a way that period cramps do not you haven't had your period in 10 months so yeah so i was like pretty sure it's not my period <laughs> but so i was like oh i think like and they were starting to come pretty regularly like not like quickly but but you know every 10 minutes or so i'd get this little feeling and so i texted my doula oh wait i'm missing the best part the best part is i sent my doula a picture of myself in the six inch heels all day. And she was like, you are rocking it. She's like, I think that this might be, she teaches a prenatal yoga class. She's like, I think this might be a new exercise we do for the, for the uh, pregnant mamas is walk around in those heels. And she said, do you have any more obligations for work? And I said, nope, done. Did all the press, did everything. She was like, then let's get that baby out of you. And no joke, 20 minutes later is when the first contraction started. So you're highly suggestible. Highly, yes. <laughs> and and, uh, and everyone, sh everyone, our diehard listeners know your doula. She was a guest oh, yeah. on our show, Sada Simran. That's right. And I was so excited to have Sada as my doula because I actually had somebody else lined up that had tentative dates that that might not work, and I was worried about that. Um, I was worried about getting nervous. I, I knew I was going to have anxiety anyway. And I, so I didn't want to have more anxiety thinking my doula might not be able to be there. And then I went and did this prenatal yoga workshop and Sada taught a class there. And I was like, that's her. I mean, that's the woman I want in the trenches with me. And, um, 
You guys, I was really, 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 I cannot emphasize really enough worried that I was going to have an anxiety attack in the middle of my labor. I was so, I, I didn't, I never really worried about the pain. I, I felt like I could handle whatever it was. I felt like I could handle not sleeping or what. I was so scared I was going to have an anxiety attack. So when I when I saw Sada and she was like this drill sergeant, I was like, that's the woman that would scare me out of an anxiety attack. So, so my, so I texted her and I texted my midwife and, uh, they said, all right, well, it could just be that you had a lot of activity today. You were on your feet a lot and maybe it's stirring some stuff up, but just drink a huge glass of wine, take a bath and go to bed. And I was laughing. First of all, I was so excited to have a glass of wine. Secondly, it was very excited to take a bath. And thirdly, I'm like, sleep, who's sleeping when you think your labor's starting? That's just not happening. So I did all the above and then I, Mike, I texted Mike. I said, I think it's happening. And he was like, I still saved the text from him. He was like, really, really? And then the text came through. I'm so excited. And, you know, it's just that, that moment, that, that great moment of realizing like you're about to meet your little one. And he got home, we went to bed and I couldn't sleep. I just, you know, it wasn't even the contractions weren't that bad. It was, it just felt like mild period cramps coming and going, but I was timing them. And my mom was texting me every two seconds cause she was up in Seattle and, um, she was, you know, should I get on the plane? And, um, so then I, I remember by the morning they were starting to get intense enough that I was squeezing Mike's hand when I would have a contraction. And, I was timing them, but they were all over the place. And so there was no rhyme or reason to when they were coming. So I talked to Davey, my midwife, and she said, you know, let's get in the bath again. And I want you to talk me through three contractions because I want to hear you describe what you're, what, what's happening. And so we did it. And she was like, yeah, you're definitely, you're definitely in labor. She's like, I think you're probably gonna have this baby either by tonight or tomorrow morning. I was like, all right. She's like, I want you to go on a two hour walk. <laughs> it's like, What's with all these like rules and, and, you know, activities to go do that. It's like impossible. It's like, I don't want to go on a two hour walk. You know, I'm, I want to yeah, sit here and text and email everyone and, <laughs> and like get ready and, you know, start to get the house ready. And so we did, we went on a tour. We went on, a, we went on an hour and a half walk and, um, near the end of the walk. So it's about like 11 o'clock in the morning. They, the, the contractions were starting to get strong enough that like, I felt like I wanted to lean up against Mike when they came and it wasn't like, you know, it just, again, intense period cramps. I was like, this is doable. I could totally do this. And then I got home. My Your water's not broken. My yet. water had not broken. No, my mom, my mom had told me that her water had not broken until just when she was giving birth with all three of us. So I kind of, they say that your labor can be your, uh, close to what your mom's was. It could be totally different too, but I was kind of thinking maybe that might be the case. I went for a walk after my water broke. Yeah. That's way less comfortable. Oh, I bet. Because well, it starts like gushing out of you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Like Sorry, every step. Dad listeners. Like you're walking in galoshes. Yeah. No, I had to put, a, I have a picture of me with a sweatshirt wrapped around my waist. Oh my God, that's so Because funny. it was like an eighth grader who just got her period for the first time. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway. So it was like your mother. Yeah. So it got, so it got back to the house. You know, my mom at this point was, had a flight, was getting on a plane. My sister who lives about an hour away came over and I had, my doula had very wisely cautioned me and just said, whatever you think that you know about how you want to give birth, be open and have uh, backup options 
to other, you know, like, for example, my family was all going to be there. And she said, you may just want to have a place for them to go in case you don't want them to be there and speak to them about that beforehand. And I was like, in my head, I thought I'm going to have the house decked out. Like I love to throw parties. So we've had parties at the house. So I wanted to have candles everywhere and have the music on. I had made a playlist. I had done all of these things. We did have a, a birthing tub just in case I was wanting to maybe try to give birth in the tub. But I did also book a hotel down the street from my house for my family to go in in case. And so uh, my sister was at the house and the contractions were starting to get more intense to the point where I was like, I could talk. I didn't want to <laughs> when they were when they were coming. Like I kind of wanted to concentrate on the feeling. And to be honest, like the most uncomfortable part for me wasn't like what I was feeling cramp-wise in my belly, it was that after it would it was like a wave. So it would start with like this wraparound kind of cramp in my belly and then it would radiate waves, kind of burning waves down my the front of my legs. And that was the most uncomfortable part to me because that felt like uh something I wanted to get away from. Like I like I wanted like it was like a hot stove or something. Like I wanted to push off of it. And obviously I can't, so I'm in it. And then my midwife showed up around 1 p.m. Um, to check me out. And I was like, okay, I'm definitely like four, maybe five centimeters, you know, dilated by this point. And she's like, okay. She closes up her bag. She's like, you're one centimeter dilated. <laughs> I was like, what? Um, she, she's like, yeah. And she goes, you may want to think about why you're staying closed. So that was kind of like a, I mean, I'd heard about these. <laughs> these mystical midwives that come in yeah. and and like delve games. into your psyche Ooh. about why you might may or may not be opening. I had made the choice to have a home birth about halfway through my pregnancy. I was originally going to do it with a midwife at the hospital and then that midwife retired in the middle of my pregnancy. It was interesting kind of the reactions that I got to it from different people and you know, I at first was very nervous about doing it at home. I felt, you know, I was, I'm the daughter of a physician. Western medicine was all around me growing up. And so, I mean, even my mom initially, when I told her was like, what, what are you thinking? Like, how could you be so reckless? And I then took her with me to an appointment with my midwife. And afterwards she was like, well, this is the way you're doing it. I mean, she was that reassured. I mean, mom, my mom's a nurse, so she gets it, you know, she's, and, and she was rightfully concerned. I understand why she was concerned. But I think after given all of the um, pros and the benefits, and for me, you know, I grew up spending a lot of time in the hospital as my dad was very sick. And to me, a hospital does not represent a happy place. It's not a place where I feel I could be celebrating the birth of my child. So for me, I wanted to be in the comfort of my home. I wanted to be somewhere that I felt like if I needed to, I could step out the door and walk outside, that I could eat whatever food I wanted that my husband is cooking me from our refrigerator. You know, I mean, it's, I wanted to be in my own space. And some people chose to deal with their discomfort over that decision by making light of it. And that was really hard for me because I felt like birth was such a big thing that, you know, to have people kind of treat it so sarcastically was was really off-putting for me. And so it actually put a bit of friction between me and Mike's family because they're not I, – I understand, like, in their world, I'm a huge weirdo stinking hippie. Like, I do things that they just can't even comprehend. So I, I understand that it was their way of processing something that seemed very, very odd and outside the box to them. I actually had – 
and I'm being very honest here in saying that I had actually told Mike that I did not want him to contact them when I went into labor. I wanted to just labor and be free of the, the idea that they were knowledgeable about what was going on. And so when my doula arrived and she asked what the midwife had said, um, I said, oh, she said, I need to talk about what, why I would be held back. And she said, well, <laughs> she, and you know, Sada, Sada is like, like very matter of fact, she plops yeah. down and we were sitting outside on our little deck. She said, well, well my, why might that be? Let's talk about it. And I just sat there and I said, I think I know. And she said, what? And I said, well, you know, it's like, I'm here. I'm having all of this like joy of calling my mom and checking in with my brother and my sister's here. And, you know, when we were on the walk that day, I said to Mike, like, how are you feeling? And he said, well, very excited, but also a little weird. And I was like, why? And he goes, well, it's just it's not how I pictured it. Like I always thought I would be checking in with my family to tell them. And um, so when Sada asked me that, I said, you know, I think I feel guilty that he's not getting to have the experience of what labor kind of was in his mind growing up or what he kind of pictured it being. I mean, I don't think growing up he was really thinking about labor, but, but you know, like his image of it, his, his view. She said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I think I just want him to call them because I feel like that might be what is halting this. And so she said, why don't you do that right now? So I called Mike outside and I said, babe, why don't you call your parents and just tell them and say, please just respect, you know, we'll, that we'll reach out and we'll let them know what's happening. Um, but if they could just refrain from calling and, you know, checking in. And the funniest part of that is that my family was actually more obnoxious <laughs> with calling and texting and, and contacting us. But wouldn't you know, like, no joke, mm, probably half hour later, true active labor started and it just went from zero to 60. It was like, I remember the only moment where I thought, I don't know if I can do this was I had one contraction where it just brought me to my knees and it was just huge. It just felt like my whole body kind of collapsed. And I looked at Sada and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And she was like, you are doing it. It's like, okay. So we just walked up and down my hallway and, you know, she talked me through it. And then I started projectile vomiting everywhere. (laughs) You know what was kind of my favorite part of the whole thing, besides obviously having the child at the end, because I never knew like my, my, those baby burgers, <laughs> those baby burgers. but like my only experience really of, of vomiting is either drinking too much or having food poisoning. And this felt like such a release. Like every time I would vomit or exorcism, <laughs> exactly. So I would go, that's at least worth another centimeter. So oh she was like, God. she was like, you know, urging me through it. And, you know, it just like, for me, it was such and ex- a life-changing experience in like reaching into the depths of myself in terms of in this moment, what can I use? What can I, ha- what can I think of? What can I sit in? What can I, you know, be with that will help me get through this next one, this next one, this next one. And then it would like that the wave would come and it would go. And then I'd be like, Oh my God, I feel amazing. And be in this, that moment in the middle. And Mike was so awesome because he, like, he never pretended that he had the answers or tried to be anything more than what he could be. Like he was just very honest in his offerings. So it was like, he would sit there and hold me and, you know, just ask like, what can I do? But he really kind of, he made food for everyone there. Oh, and I should note that about an hour into active labor, I sent my sister to the hotel and said, don't tell everyone else not to come here. (laughs) 
So they were, I just, and I never played music. I never dressed the house up like for a party. I had it silent. I wanted these, you know, three other people there and it was perfect. That was, it ended up being in the moment, this is what I needed. I tried to get in the birthing tub, but my darling husband thought that the heater actually continued to heat up the pool. So he turned it off. So when I went to go in it, the water was ice cold because you fill the, you fill the birthing tub up and then it has a heater that maintains the heat. And I was so like, I wasn't upset, but it was, they, <laughs> you screwed up the birthing tub, <laughs> but I was so excited to get in it and just kind of float and have my glass of wine. Um, and <laughs> oh, there was so much wine in this flavor, two glasses. That's not that much, but anyway, around probably 9 PM, I got on the bed and that was the craziest part for me because that, that was like an out-of-body experience. Yeah. That was going to another place yeah. and, you know, just so meditative in that I couldn't be anywhere else but focused right where I was. And I remember I had Sada on one side of the bed and Mike on the other and I would literally just flip every, you know, 10 or 20 minutes to the other side so it would be their turn to hold my hand and just stare in my eyes you can get through it and made noises like I didn't know could come out of my body, like guttural, but it felt so good. It, it helped to like push through that. And then around, you know, I don't know, 10 PM, I think I said to Sada, like, I got to know where I'm at. And she said, what do you think you are? And I said like eight and she checked me and she was like, you're eight and a half. She's like, you're going to get to push soon. And I was just so excited to push and it's funny because so many people describe it so differently, the the pushing part of it. Some people say it's the best feeling in the world. Some people hate it. They say it's worse than the, the actual labor, active labor part of it. I just felt like it felt good to do something, to actually be doing something. But I also could not tell what I was pushing. Like there was no – I didn't feel like, oh, the baby's coming down or anything like that. It wasn't until she just almost came out. But I mean never. I wish I had – bottled that determination and passion to use at the gym because like I could be like a <laughs> performance <laughs> bodybuilder. Mike was like, your back turned to like a different material. Like it wasn't mm. muscle. It was like stone. And then I just started to feel her come out. And that was kind of the part that I was more scared about because everyone talks about how bad it hurt. And I have to say like, I didn't really experience that being so painful. It was definitely like, Ow, 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 you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't um, crazy. And, and they helped me through it. They said, if it starts to feel like it's burning, you do the <laughs> breath to kind of slowly push her out. But it was so unfair because like she would start to come out and then I would take a breath to get another, you know, momentum to push and she would go suck back in. I'm like, no, I want to be, I want to be there. So then she popped out and I thought that they grabbed her and turned her because I felt her shoulders kind of like wedge Oof. and turn. And that was really painful. And I was like, you guys don't, don't. They're like, no, she's doing it. Mike said mm. her head came out. She turned herself all the way around, wide open eyes, looked mm. straight at him and then just shot out. And he's like, it's so weird because you never think that they come out like that aware and yeah. alert. And she like dead on made eye contact with him. And then I sat up and that was the craziest moment of my life because I totally had this idea of who she was and what she looked like. And I looked up and I was like, this looks nothing like the baby that I mm -hmm. thought was in me this whole time. And we have this amazing picture that my midwife snapped at that moment. And it's so crazy because Mike's like behind me and he's laughing into my shoulder and you don't see the bed. You just see 
us from the waist up and we're looking down and the look on my face, it's so weird to see a picture of yourself where you have a look that you've never seen on your face before. You know, it was like shock and exhaustion and just like this, this moment, you know, you know, my biggest, I guess, pro to home birth was like that, that couple hours afterwards was just being in our bed and having these little, almost like dwarves. They were just racing around and, um, washing our bedding and making us food and tucking us in. And then they were just gone and it was us. And we were there with our daughter and it was the most surreal, amazing experience. And then I just felt that way for the next, you know, week. It was like this bubble. I felt that way for the next two months, actually, this bubble of bliss of being in our little space. We were very particular about who we let come over. I guess I had no problem saying no then, you know, and I just told people like, well, we'll let you know when we're ready. Um, I definitely did not allow people every day, every other day, and only usually one person and for a half hour or so, but that was it. And, and to be honest, like the next day I was like, I could do this again. Did you feel that way after? Did you feel right afterwards that you could do it again? Or did you, did you, did you not even go there? You'll have to listen to my birthing story. <laughs> do you talk about it? We'll be right back. <laughs> Just a reminder that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible is offering you, the listener, a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to www.audiblepodcast.com slash atomic and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Okay, guys, here are some Audible selections I have currently. Uh, the Secret History by Donna Tartt. Uh, I started listening to that after I read her book, The Goldfinch, on Audible. Um, I think I like The Goldfinch more, although they're both kind of like dark and twisty. Uh, another book I'm loving, No Bad Kids by Janet Lansbury. Another mom in my mommy group suggested it, and it's, um, it's great for disciplining children. Although the title, No Bad Kids, sounds a little harsh. Um, but it's actually a very sweet book. Uh, as I mentioned in a previous podcast, I loved Born Standing Up by Steve Martin, narrated by Steve Martin. The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. That's where I got one of my mom's sessions. Loved it. Uh, I have not read Not That Kind of Girl by Lena Dunham yet, um, but I have it, and I don't know why I'm resisting it, but I'm sure it's fantastic. Loved Girl Boss by Sophia Imaruso. Uh, that was a really fun one. Um, what else? Oh my God. The best one ever was Unbroken by Laura Hillenbred. And don't be turned off by the Unbroken movie, okay? I hated that movie. And the book is so good. And I would listen to this audible book while like running up and down the hills. And I'd be like whining and thinking like, I want to stop my workout. And then I would just keep listening to Unbroken. And I'm like, man, if these people are that strong, I can get my ass up a hill. I love Audible, okay? So go to audiblepodcast.com slash atomic. Um, and that's audiblepodcast.com slash atomic and get started today. And we're back. If you hadn't noticed, we're back. We're back. Oh, I just have to clarify something that I realized I said while I was telling my birthing story that really makes me laugh because I'm, I'm such, my brain is so out to lunch today that I said that the people were like little dwarves running around. <laughs> and I meant to say like little worker bees. I don't know how that translated to, to dwarves. I don't know, but I am so offended by your political incorrectness. <laughs> Uh, Maybe you were uh, thinking of like the seven dwarfs and your Snow White. No, that's what I meant. Yeah. I did. I didn't mean like actually. Yeah, I meant like like the little fairy tale dwarves. They like scurry around. But I yeah. meant I actually.
actually meant worker bees. So take okay, that great. one. And you, okay, got it, got it, got yes. it. I wasn't, th- uh, okay, okay, great. It's all good. Love it. I'm glad we clarified. Okay, so mom session. I'm going to put this recipe up on our Facebook account, but during my birth, I had a birth aid like Gatorade or lemonade. It was birth aid and it was... I don't know, Bianca, you threw up multiple times during your birth. (laughs) I know and I needed to be rehydrated. Okay. So it was, you know, it's like playing sports and getting Uh into it. And um, it was was a really great little drink. And the best thing was uh, I made some of it and I froze it in pops, in like um, little popsicle sticks. And so I had little popsicles to suck on while I was, you know, it's like, it's like the home version of the ice chips at the hospital. I had an In-N-Out burger and Bianca had babies artisanal popsicles <laughs> that she made out of what it like was a, like it, out of a fairy's no it milk. had like le- <laughs> they're like lemonade and they had some magnesium in there for calming and um a little bit of salt to give you yeah it was, they were good i forgot i need to take my magnesium yes you do young yes lady. i do oh you're are you annoyed about my comment <laughs> about Come on. I know who I'm doing milk. this podcast with. Yeah. Um, We're right. such a good team. <laughs> mom bomb. Okay. The mom bomb is a Chinese proverb, and it comes from one of our listeners who listens all the way in London. Oh. Yeah. So she sent this to us. Tension is who you think you should be. Relaxation is who you are. Ah, that is relaxing just even hearing that. I love that. Tension is who you think you should be. Relaxation is who you are. Well, listen. Even Chubbs liked that. My little dog just went, oh. And by the way, so perfect for when we feel like we get guilty, you know, that that's putting ourselves in a a state of tension and, and the relaxation of just being okay with saying no. High quality knows, people. High quality knows. Yeah. All right. We love you guys. So remember, trust in your goodness. <laughs> live out your greatness. And rock on. Atomic, Atomic Moms. Moms. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Schleichinger. I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to YouTube.com slash WaitForItComedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore because it's here and it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudin posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.